Welcome back to Coaching Kernan. We are here with Real Voices of the Game. I'm Dave D'Agostino, your co-host, and I'm joined by America's most beloved sports writer, Kevin Kernan. Today we're joined by President and CEO of Little League Baseball, and what, what a better time to have him on. We're getting ready to kick off Williamsport tomorrow. It's the 75th anniversary of Little League Baseball. Almost 3 million kids playing Little League Baseball in 84 countries. And Steve, you're finishing up on a 12-day trip right here. So welcome to the show. We appreciate you coming on today. Uh, it's good to be with you, Dave and Kevin. Uh, my, my pleasure. Yeah. Kevin, you want to kick, kick it off here with Steve? Well, I've known Steve Keener for about, what, about 22 years now, Steve. We've been... Well, I think I think we first met when uh, when you you came to Williamsport to cover the uh, Tom's River team in uh, yeah, ninety eight. So 20, ninety eight, yeah, twenty four years. So, yeah, there you uh, go. And, and this is a great place to start. Um, I mean, first of all, thanks for being with us in such a busy week. I mean, this this shows a lot. This tells everybody you know, people who listen to our show know we we don't fool around. We we have good people on people who really care about the game and care about kids and uh, try to help kids. I mean, that's what we do with this show. We're trying to make them better baseball IQ, better people. And for you to take time out in this busiest of weeks for you, I, I really appreciate it. And uh, but it must be such an exciting – just tell me about the excitement of the week for you uh, with, with all the teams coming in from all around the world. Well, you know, Kevin, as we uh, – I think we talked about this maybe a short time ago, but, you know, 2022, of course, we had to cancel the World Series in 2020 due to the, you know, the COVID pandemic. And then last year, we were only able to have uh, uh, 16 uh, domestic teams participate with a very limited number of uh, people who could actually come to watch that. So the, the exciting part about this year is after after two years, you know, we're, we're kind of back to full strength and and we've got all our international uh, teams participating again. So, you know, it, after two years of very one canceled and one a very subdued event. Um, it's it's just nice to be back to kind of seeing the full experience that that the kids are going to have here. My my favorite part, actually, there's there's two favorites that I have for the World Series. One is when the buses pull in, and I have if I happen to be here watching the kids get off the buses and it's see their first glimpse of Lomity Stadium. But very often it's at night, the stadium's lit up, and you know their their first their first view of seeing where they're, where they're going to be playing. Uh, it's, it's just, they usually run down the hill to, you know, get a, get, get a closer look. And, and that really starts the excitement for them. And then, you know, my second favorite moment is uh, actually tomorrow when we have our opening ceremonies, because uh, you know, all, all 20 teams this year will be, you know, parading onto the, onto the field with music playing and their country flags or their U S flag and their, their pennants from winning the regional tournaments and their families are all in the stands cheering them on. And they're, you know, nobody's played a game yet, but it's, it's uh, it, it just the look on their faces when they, when they uh, walk onto the field and, and you just kind of see, they, they almost like live in a dream, I guess. And, uh, and that's what makes it fun for all of us is just seeing the reaction of the, of the kids to everything that they're going to be able to do. And you, you, you were out on that hill way back when, right? Tell, tell, tell us uh, your first uh, views of Lamadi Stadium. Well, you know, my, my first views go back to I was probably five or six years of age. My my father was a local high school basketball coach and physical education teacher, but in the summertime, he actually worked for Little League Baseball as a summer camp instructor, and then he served as what was called a team host for the World Series. So, you know. From the time my brother and I were about four and six years old, we used to come over here and hang around 
you know, the whole time. So I actually have a photograph of my brother and I with my dad. We couldn't have been more than five or six or seven years old uh, up on the hill with Lomity Stadium in in the background with with my dad. So my, my first view was a long, long time ago. And, uh, you know, kind of kind of ironic that uh, I can put that picture and ju- juxtapose it with, uh, you know, maybe a picture today. Um, you know, my dad's still living. He's 92 years old. And, uh, you know, my brother's coming in sometimes. So we're going to we're going to recreate that photograph sometime and, uh, it, yeah. and and put them side by side. Well, that was going to be my next. Uh, is, I'm glad you mentioned your dad, because we all know it's a game of fathers and sons and and, and moms. And, uh, you know, the, the great, you know, the expressions you see on the families and the, the television, you know, televised things. And it's really uh it keeps you young, doesn't it, Steve? It, it really does. I mean, it. You know, it's. Uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not naive. I mean, we're we're operating a, an iconic event that takes a you know a considerable effort to organize and operate and execute everything that has to happen with it. You know, and a lot of it is has uh, gotten a lot more complicated and difficult over the years due to you know circumstances beyond our control. And uh, so, but but the but the the one thing that hasn't changed in, in all of my years, and this will be my 43rd World Series. You know, I started in 1980. This will be my 43rd World Series. The one thing that hasn't changed that's been constant has been the kids. And and the kids are pretty much the same. You know, they're still excited. They're just kids. They're having fun. They're meeting kids from all around the world. You know, I, I, I tell people this story. You know, the technology has changed so much today. I, I was down at the uh, – at the stadium one time and I saw two of the kids in the one, one kid I think was from, was from Panama and another kid might've been from somewhere in California and they're sitting next to each other and they both have iPads on their laps. And I'm like, what are, what are they doing? Well, we walked over here. It turns out they were talking to each other through Google translate. Wow. And, and, you know, so they could ask each other questions and then it would translate it into their language that they understand. And then they'd respond. And I just thought, how, how cool is that? That that you know in the in the past, unless you actually had an interpreter or a translator there, these kids couldn't even they could communicate through you know indicate you know they could they could shake hands they could do those kind of things, but now they can actually talk to each other and uh, you know that that's what that's what keeps us all motivated to to do this every year because of the experience that they have like that. Well, that's such a that's a that's a great story. I, I didn't realize that, but now and that's what I've seen. I mean, I've been there many times and and you see those kids from different countries and they all exchange the pins yeah my my youngest son still has pins and and i think you touched on something too you talked about how much you care about the kids and and obviously their safety and you there was a situation i I guess a kid a a youngster was injured can you give us an update on what that situation yeah yeah unfortunately on uh, you know my days kind of run together this time of the year so uh it was uh i think very early uh monday morning uh, unfortunately, uh, this this player on the Utah team representing the Mountain Region, uh, we, we don't exactly know how this happened yet, but he ended up falling out of his bunk bed in the in the dormitories, and and suffered an injury in, to his head, and uh, unfortunately needed to have you know medical serious medical attention you know delivered immediately, which which was done, and uh, so he uh, he right now is in the. Um, uh, what's called the, the Geisinger Children's Pediatric Hospital, which is about 30 minutes from Williamsport. And uh, yesterday I spent some time with his, with his dad, uh, you know, just making sure that there's anything we can do to assist them with, with this, that, uh, you know, that we, that we 
obviously be more than happy to help him any way we can. Um, his, his, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to speculate on the medical condition because that's certainly not my area of expertise. Um, what I do know is that he had to have surgery. Uh, according to his father, he got through the surgery and is responsive to a number of the stimulus tests that they do, which are all encouraging signs. And, uh, you know, the father asked me, and I'm, I'll ask your listening audience as well, but he said, if the one thing we need right now are prayers. And um, he said, if you can ask anybody that you talk to to say a prayer for, for Easton, uh, please do. So that, that, that's kind of the update with it right now. We, you know, we're obviously in constant contact with them to, you know, get updates and, and uh, again, try to help the family through this. Cause I mean, you know, think about that, you know, they're coming here, this, this child's experiencing something that only a small number of kids ever get a chance to do. And he's excited and his teammates are excited. And, and, uh, uh, and then to have, you know, something that, like this happen um, is, uh, you know, obviously very disappointing for, for everybody. Yes, that's so well said. Uh, and, and certainly Easton will get our prayers and, and all our listeners. And uh, again, I've been there many times and I know how much you guys care about the safety uh, of, of these children and, uh, and the precautions taken. So, well, the, 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 the good news in, in this particular case is that um, the, we actually have a full-time medical staff on site 24 seven. Uh, we actually have what's called the UPMC player wellness center. And um, it's got pretty much everything you needed in it. You need for an emergency situation. And they reacted very quickly and got him got him the medical treatment locally that they thought he needed. And they made a determination very quickly that they needed to get him to this pediatric unit. And uh, and they, they did all that without uh, without any any problems. And uh, I think that was, uh, you know, kind of a testament to everybody doing what they were trained to do and to react to it. So, uh, you know, everybody that was involved in it did all the right things and in in some respects, probably helped, uh, helped this little boy immensely. No, we, we, I think anybody that follows little league baseball knows that, uh, you know, that young man's in good hands and a name like Easton, that's a baseball name. If I ever heard one. Well, it's interesting. His dad showed me yesterday, um, you know, of course, Easton, uh, the, the baseball softball manufacturing company is, is one of our, you know, longtime partners. And, uh, you know, they come in every year and they, they distribute equipment and, and things to all the kids that are, that are playing. And one of the things they, they handed them out this year were these sort of rubber band wristbands and on it, it says team Easton and, and, um, uh, Easton's dad showed it to me yesterday. He said, this takes on all new meaning. Wow. And, yeah. uh, so all the kids are now wearing team Easton, uh, wristbands and, uh, and, and they wanted to do it. It was their idea. And uh, so, uh, you know, we're, we're all rooting for Team Easton. Let's let's put it that way. You like it. We'll put something out to our listeners as well. Mm-hmm. I, I know I, I had fond memories uh, with Little League Baseball. Kevin did as well. And and you shared some growing up not too far from Williamsport with your dad. Um, I was wondering if you could reflect back on your Little League days. If I remember reading right, you played for a team called Milo's Sub Shop and you were, yeah. you were a pretty good second baseman pitcher. Could you reflect <laughs> on, on those days? Tell us what the <laughs> – I know the older I get, the better I was. I look back. Yeah, yeah that, that's very true. I don't. I don't know who told you I was a pretty good second baseman or pitcher, but they're they're probably exaggerating a little bit. But uh, no, I, I had a great little league experience. I, I I played at what was called the Loyal Sock Little League. I did play for Milo's Sub Shop. Uh, 
after each game, win or lose, we got a free hoagie at Milo's Sub Shop. So I, I always, I, the, oh, that's a great deal. The hoagie, the hoagie was more important than winning or losing because we, we couldn't wait to get to get down there to get our hoagie after after the game. But uh, the uh, and then my my twelve year old season, I actually uh, I actually moved up to a town called Lock Haven, which is about thirty miles from Williamsport. My father uh, went up to that uh, college to become a uh, basketball coach and, and physical education instructor there. So I played my last year of little league up in the, what was called the Jersey shore little league. And I played for a team called Woolrich woolen mills. And, uh, but anyway, I was fortunate enough when I was 11 and 12 to be selected to the league's all-star teams. And, uh, you know, one thing that stuck with me and, and this has helped me in my, my professional life. When I was 11 years old, we only played two games. Everything, Kevin, you remember this? Everything was single elimination. You lose one game, you're done. You know, I do remember that. Yep. You go home. Well, my team, we were fortunate. We played three games. We won our first two games, and then we lost our, our third game, in, I think, in the district tournament. I never got in a game. Uh, you know, I was 11 years old, and, and, uh, and I remember, remember my dad telling me, he said, you, you know, you, 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 you're on the team. That's good enough. You're 11 years old. Uh, you know, maybe next year when you're 12, you know, you'll be in the starting lineup. For, for the team. And so, you know, that I remembered that and, and quite frankly, and I'm not going to take you through this whole thing, but that ultimately that feeling, I, I just couldn't imagine teams coming to Williamsport for the little league world series and a coach, not getting a kid into a game somehow, you know, during, during the game. I mean, you're going to be here, you're going to play at least two or three games guaranteed that, you know, what, what little league coach wouldn't want at least their kids to get at least one at bat or a chance to play in the field at this experience. So, Ultimately, that's kind of what led us. It wasn't my personal experience, but a lot of those kind of things led us to, you know, putting in the mandatory play rules, which, uh, you know, now every child is is guaranteed to play every game, which is the way it should be in in Little League. And that's uh, uh, but but I I, I think back to that, you know, I I heard what my dad said. I didn't like it. You know, I I, uh, you know, I was. You know, not that I was disgruntled, but I wanted to play. You know, I wasn't on the team to sit in the bench, and uh, so anyway, that was. But I had a great, I had a great little league experience. In fact, my 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 little league coach from Milo Sub Shop is still living. He's ninety three years old. Kevin, you can appreciate this. You know, we we've chatted about this. I I'm at uh, Saturday Night Mass a couple years ago, right. and and I'm sitting in the in the back pew with my wife and. And uh, I get a tap on the shoulder. I turn around and it's my little league coach. His name's Al Russell. And, and he says, Stevie, he always called me Stevie. He said, Stevie, he says, I should have bunted you against Hartman's. And I'm, I'm thinking that was, that, that was a hundred years ago, Mr. Russell. I haven't seen you in 20 years and, and you recognize me. So he came over to say hello. And, and he's still worried about a game we lost. He said, if, if I'd have bunted you, I think we might've pulled that one out. <laughs> That's amazing, and that's that's the pull baseball has on everyone. And what what a wonderful story! And yeah, uh, yeah. You, you know, and 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 it's also a full circle story. And I think uh, you you're dealing with that right now. Uh, your experience with Todd Frazier through the years. I mean, I met Todd '98 up in Connecticut, and then traveled with the team. Great great parents, great people, still friends with them. Uh, the Tom's River East American Little League. I, I make sure I always throw in because you know there's always those little. Yeah town things and uh and what a great group of people but now todd is uh is broadcasting so, so just just give everyone a, a your perspective of what you've seen yeah todd like frazier and like like, like you kevin have come around 
Yeah, like, well, like you, Kevin, I, you know, obviously was here when when Todd and the Toms River kids won the championship in, in 1998. And, you know, then we keep track of these kids after they, they leave Williamsport and, you know, kind of follow them, see what develops for them. Well, it doesn't matter whether it's, you know, continuing to play baseball. I mean, we've had we've had kids that have gone on to play, you know, other professional sports. We've had kids that we, we've got a guy that's a, probably one of the most noted transplant surgeons in the country who, who played here. And so we keep we keep track of, of all of them. So we kind of followed Todd and obviously he ended up at Rutgers and then, then was a first round draft pick. And, and so we, you know, we kept tabs on him and over those years, you know, I, like you, I got to know Todd a little bit and his family. We've actually become very good friends over the years. And uh, I was joking with him uh, uh, a week or two ago, I talked to him and I said, you really have come full circle. I said, you know, 1998, you know, kind of put Todd Frazier and Tom's river on the, on the little league map. I said, and now you're coming back here to, uh, you're going to be doing a broadcast of uh, of games from that same same field that you uh, that you started on, and he said, "Yeah, he said it's unbelievable." I mean, you know how he talks. And, oh yeah, and yeah. Uh, and he says he said uh, you know he said he was back here a couple years ago. He played when he was with the Mets, and the, the Mets and the Phillies played in our MLB Little League Classic. And I remember he walked out on the field to throw out the first pitch here at before one of the Little League games, and I remember him saying to me, he "Goes, man, this field's small." And I said, yeah, Todd, it's small. It's for 11 and 12 year old kids. He goes, hey, because when I was 12, he said, this, this thing looked like Yankee Stadium. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I just thought it was, it was just a kind of a fun observation on, on, on his part. But yeah, he's come, you know, and there, there have been many players and, you know, I could name a lot of them that, uh, you know, that have, that have come through Williamsport and played in the World Series that uh, would be familiar names to a lot of people. The one that really kind of sticks out is we're talking over 75 years of the, the Little League World Series. Of course, you mentioned at the start, this is the 75th anniversary of the World Series. You know, you both probably remember Lloyd McClendon. Yeah. Uh, you know, Lloyd uh, in 1971, and, you know, that was just a year or two after I finished my Little League career. So, you know, we're watching these guys play, and these guys are like heroes to us. And, and uh, you know, Lloyd, at that time, the tournament was still single elimination. He was on a team from Gary, Indiana. And he hit five home runs in five official at bats and they walked him every other, every other time. And, uh, you know, we've kept in touch with Lloyd. We had, had a pretty good relationship with him over the years and, and both uh, Lloyd's already in, we're going to induct Todd into our little league hall of excellence uh, next week while, while he's here. And uh, along with uh, a young lady, Jenny Dalton Hill, who uh, had an outstanding uh, softball career at Arizona won three college world series play. And she actually played for the USA baseball national women's baseball team and uh and and jenny does some broadcasting for espn now too so the two of them are going to be enshrined into our little league hall of excellence uh i think it's next tuesday or wednesday night i'm not sure the exact date but uh you know we've had play cody bellinger is probably one of the more recent ones that people are aware of um you know i i go back through it and and and, and think of a book can i can i tell you one quick quick kind of little interesting piece of trivia that maybe your listeners hey. would kind of goes back a number of years, but I, I just think this is such an interesting point, uh, interesting story. In 1954, um, the world series was played across the river in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. And in that world series, um, Schenectady, New York won, and they had a kid on that team named Jim Barberi. And they beat a team from Lakeland, Florida in the Little League World Series who featured a young guy named Boog Powell. Okay. So that was 1954. So Boog Powell and the 
Lakeland team are playing against Barbary and the Schenectady team. Uh, Schenectady won. Well, 12 years later, the Baltimore Orioles and the Los Angeles Dodgers are playing in the Major League Baseball World Series. Of course, Boog Powell, you know, one of the prominent members of the Orioles team. And Jim Barbary was a utility outfielder for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Wow. Those are those are the only two players that have played against each other in the Little League Baseball World Series and the Major League Baseball World Series. Okay. And all, of all the kids that have come through here that have gone on to play Major League Baseball, um, they're the only two that have ever played against each other in the in, in two World Series like that. I just think that's kind of a neat, just a that's neat amazing. little trivia item for uh, people that, you know, go back to the old school of baseball and <laughs> and remember that. But I've got uh, one more tie for you in that, Steve. That's my little league, Schenectady. That's, oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Mike Maeda was the coach of that team. And okay. when he came back from, gosh, it must have been 10 or 11. The first televised World Series, uh, I think, was when Cody, Cody Webster with Kirkland beat the team from Taiwan. Yeah. Mike 1982. Yeah, so Mike went down to the World Series. He came back and brought me a pin from that. <laughs> he liked the way I played, and he was he was fond of my father. And my father ended up taking his spot as district commissioner later on with Little League. So, yeah, I think I think Schenectady finished second either the year before or the year after. I, I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know that that same 1954 World Series. Another little interesting story about it. Um, there was a team from Hampton Roads, Virginia. Here, they had a young kid who played on the team named Donnie White. Donnie went on to become the, he just retired a couple of years ago as the athletic director at VMI, Virginia Military Institute. And uh, I got to know Donnie through, actually through my, through my son's experience at Coastal Carolina University. And, and Donnie told me the story that he said, we played our first game in Williamsport in 1954. We lost. So we were eliminated from the, the tournament. And he said, we're all in the dugout, you know, kind of crying and sorry that our summer's over and that, you know, we lost this game. He said, in this he said, this old guy with a suit on and a, and a big walking stick kind of walked into our dugout and told us to keep our chins up, boys. He said, You're, this is a great game. It can do a lot for you. I want, you know, you played a good game, so don't be down in the dumps and, you know, keep keep playing this great game. And he said, and then the old man left the dugout. Well, you know who the old man was? It was Cy Young. Oh, wow. And, and, and Cy Young... Cy Young used to come to the Little League World Series. He probably came four or five years in a row in the 1950s. He and Carl Stotts, the founder of our program in 1939, became very close, very good friends. In fact, Carl Stotts was a pallbearer in Cy Young's funeral. And uh, just, again, you know, all these things come out of out of this great game and kids playing. The connections are amazing. Uh, it's just it, time and time again. Dave, I'm sure you had something else you want to ask Steve real quick. No, I, I, that tie with Schenectady just knocked me over because not too many people know of Schenectady. And for it to organically come up in this conversation kind of makes our point today where baseball brings people together and stories together. Well, Dave, you know you know who else was on that 54 Schenectady team was Billy Connors. Yeah, Billy Connors is a longtime scout uh, coach. I mean, yeah, I we're very familiar with him. I didn't know that one, yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And, and the other thing, too, Steve, I think what's going on, you know, I remember when I was in San Diego, Jack McKeon, um, the manager, helped me when I uh, in our little district. We started the Challenger League and uh, things like that. And Jack was a big, you know, Jack was in between jobs at the time and he's out on the field helping the kids, you know, and yeah. uh, it was just great to see. I think there's a 
it brings out the best in people. And and I know you had a good relationship with the Tom Seavers family too. Tell us a little bit, bit about the statue and uh, just being in New York for that. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, um, in 19, give you a little bit of background. I hope I don't take too long with this, but in, in 1988, um, Bill Shea, who, for whom Shea Stadium was named, was president of the Little League Foundation Board of Trustees. Yeah, I knew Bill. Bill's you knew nice. Bill, right. Okay, well, 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 Mr. Shea, called my predecessor, a man named Creighton Hale. And he said, Hey, I'm coming in for the little league world series championship game this year. And I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring Tom Seaver and, and someone else, you know, Jack Lang, the, the, you know, the notable, notable yeah. baseball writer for, in New York. And uh, Dr. Hale said, well, that's great. He said, we'd love to have him." So when, when we, he hung up the phone, he called me, he said, we should do something for Tom for, for him coming in here. And that's actually what created our Little League Hall of Excellence, because we said we don't want just Tom to throw out a first pitch. Let's let's honor him somehow. So we created the that's what led us to establish the Little League Hall of Excellence. So Tom was the charter enshrinee of our Little League Hall of Excellence back in 1988. And so I got to meet Tom on that trip. And I don't know what it was, but we just kind of hit it off. And uh, he just we just kind of kept in touch with each other. And over the years, you know, we developed this really nice friendship and got to know his family very well. And, uh, and then actually Tom came back and served on our museum board of directors for about seven or eight years and was chairman of that board. And so, you know, we'd see him three or four times a year at board meetings and, you know, wherever else we were, were together. So obviously when, when Tom passed, that was very sad news for, for all of us who had a relationship with him, but, um, yeah, Nancy, his wife and Sarah, his daughter, um, they invited me uh, to come in uh, to be with them at the uh, at the unveiling of the Tom Seaver statue at, at, at City Field. So I I made it a point. I obviously wouldn't wouldn't miss that. But uh, so I went in on on I guess it was April. It was the Mets home op- the day of the Mets home opener. And uh, the, the the fun part of that for me is obviously seeing seeing the, his family who I you know feel very friendly with. Uh, but I actually got to sit right next to Gary Thorne, who was one of Tom's closest friends. And uh, and Gary had been here. He, you know, Gary had broadcast the Little League World Series for, geez, probably eight or nine years in a row as a play-by-play guy. And uh, he and Tom were probably best friends. I would say Gary might have been Tom's best friend in the in the world. And uh, so I got to sit next to Gary. So we got we had a chance to get caught up. But, you know, that was just such a, you know, Tom – when I remember him looking out the window of the office that I'm actually in now and looking down at Lomity stadium and him saying to me, he goes, you know, Steve, he goes, every guy who plays major league baseball, ought to have to come here at least one time and see this. He said, cause it, it reminds us of why we started playing this game and what's really important. And I, I often think of that when I think now about, you know, the establishment of the MLB little league classic game. Now where we, where we have two major league teams come to Williamsport each summer and, you know, spend a day on our complex visiting with the world series kids and watching some of their games and having fun with them. And then, you know, then that evening we, we take all the kids from the world series over to little Bowman field here in Williamsport. And uh, you know, the kids are kind of the guests of honor of the two teams playing. They get to sit and watch, uh, you know, guys play a real major league baseball game right in front of them in in a very intimate setting. And uh, I often think about Tom, when I'm watching that thinking, you know, you're, you were right. And, and, you know, all these big league guys come here, they, they kind of turn into 12 year olds when they get off the bus here. It, it's just really fun to watch. Yeah. Tom was always so, um, you know, whenever I would visit with Tom at the hall of fame and, and of course, 
you know, he had his vineyard. Yeah. He, he, he was a man of principle too. And I think that's, that's very important across the board. And I think that's one of the things you guys try to do. Uh, and it gets harder. I mean, let, let's be honest. I mean, parents now, you know, oh, they're, yeah. they're involved, but, but uh, what, what do you just give us some examples of what you're doing to try to keep it a game as well. I mean, uh, there's all the success with well, ESPN. I, I think, I think it, one, of the, one of the important things in Kevin, is Kevin that despite all of the sort of outside noise and, and, and influences, what we always have to remember is what, what is the, the purpose of a little league program? And the purpose of a little league program is to provide, you know, every child in a community who wants to play the opportunity to play. It doesn't matter what your skill level is. It doesn't matter what your family's financial condition is. Little League is a is a program for everybody, and it should always be community based. And that and that that's what we that's what we have to work very hard to keep it that way. Uh, you know, but I, I've seen over you know over my tenure, you know, the evolution of this whole sort of travel ball industry, and 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 parents thinking that you know I've got to get my kid on a travel team when he's eight or nine years older, and never be able to make the high school team when when he when he gets older, which is I think you and I both know is nonsense. Uh, but that's that's what we have to deal with today. So the, the challenge for us is to is to you know kind of get on that balance beam, if you will, and and maintain Little League as a community based program, even though the definition of community in some respects has changed somewhat over over the years. And we've had to we've had to be you know be a little more flexible and adapt to you know everything from family dynamics to community dynamics to. To, to maintain that. But I, I don't, you know, we, we can't, we can't ever get away from, you know, you know, doing everything we can to provide kids the opportunity to, to play. Cause that's, what's really important. In our, I mean, I, I know the little league world series gets an awful lot of attention and, you know, teams want to be here and, 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 uh, and it's exciting and, and it's a, you know, all, all the things that come with it, but what's really important are the, you know, two and a half, three million kids, whatever the number is that, that play in their their local programs in their in their local communities because that's that's where that's where most kids are going to get the benefit from from this program and, th- and that's the real challenge for us today is to is to maintain that while also providing the opportunity for the kids who have a little more advanced skill and and want a little more competitive play that kind of thing to try to provide that for them which is what the tournament season does and. Uh, it, it, get, it gets hard to, to manage them. I mean, you know, you mentioned, you know, going up with your, I think it was your grandson up to, to Cooperstown. You know, I understand. I've never been there, but I mean, I've been to Cooperstown, but I've never been there for one of their baseball, uh, youth baseball programs. But I understand they do a phenomenal job. It's a great experience for the kids. But the Little League World Series and the tournament trail it leads up to that, that's not a travel program. You know, these kids have to, they have to earn every step of the way. And I think that's what, people really fully appreciate once they get to the regional tournaments and then ultimately to a world series is this isn't a travel tournament you know, this isn't a matter of raising enough money to be able to pay to, to go play there. This is earned and it's earned for your community and you're representing your community. I think there's something special about that, that, uh, that, that means something to, to a lot of people. That's so well said. I'm so glad you put it in those words and, and, I only have a, you know, we're not going to keep you forever, but I have a, a couple more I want to get to. One really important one, too, as well. I, I love what the softball, what you're doing with Little League softball. You know? Yeah, like, we, we've made a, a very strong commitment. Girl, uh, over, 
Yeah, let's let's go there. Right yeah, now. we we've made a very strong commitment over the last number of years to try to elevate the uh, Little League softball program as much as possible to bring it up on par with Little League baseball in terms of people seeing it, the exposure, understanding it, and all those things. We've you know our folks that are a lot in the marketing and communications departments that are a lot smarter than me, you know, they've come up with this girls with game initiative. And, uh, you know, and so we're, we're trying to elevate it. So we, we, we actually were very fortunate to have our television partners at ESPN agree to get all the games on the air now. And, and uh, <clears throat> which, you know, was, you know, a big step forward in, in promoting that program. The, the girls that play in the little league softball world series get, they get treated identically to what happens here in Williamsport with the Little League Baseball World Series in terms of, you know, equipment distribution and 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 we pay for all their travel and all their housing accommodations. And, you know, there, there, there's really no difference between the two other than the fact that the Little League Softball World Series is played in Greenville, North Carolina, and Little League Baseball is played here here in Williamsport. But we're working very hard because, you know, there, there are lots and lots of girls that want to play softball and we certainly like to have them as, as part of our program so they can benefit from the, you know, what we talked about before from that same experience of playing in a community with their friends and kids they go to school with and, and getting that benefit. But uh, yeah, we're, you know, and, and we're certainly, you know, we're certainly open to other ideas to help, help grow that game as well. But um, we, we've directed a lot of resources into the softball program. Well, from a personal standpoint, my oldest daughter, she never got a chance to play little league softball but she played little league with the boys, so yeah. you know she was good. She went on to play college softball and did very well. And uh, but my 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 son Casey has three daughters who are all playing softball now, uh, and they love it. You know, all the way from uh, the very beginning, uh, and and it's it's a fun game to watch. And um, you know, I think just going out there. This is why I always tell people: just if if you if you're stressed, and even if you don't have any kids or anything, go out to a little league field, watch a game, and it brings a smile to your face. I think that's the bottom line here. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, it it, it really does, and, and and you know that's that's again one of the the challenges for is for us to try to educate and communicate with local affiliate programs to to make them understand that you know that you know this true kevin and dave the person who has the most influence on the experience that the child has is the manager and coach of the team and 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 so those people are critically important to to the operation of local little league programs and you know what we want them to understand is you know like it says in the little league pledge i mean you 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 play fair and strive to win you know but you do the you, you know you always do your best that's all you can ask of any child right just just give just give your best effort and whatever the outcome is should be should be acceptable whether you win whether you lose doesn't doesn't matter in fact i'll tell you one quick funny story i've had over the years that i i've had people contact me because they want me to write a letter or they want me to send a certificate or something their little league team won the league championship and they went 24 and oh they didn't lose a game and you know what i always tell them I said, well, that's that's fine. Congratulations. I said, but you know what? Your kids really didn't get the full Little League experience. And they're usually kind of dumbfounded. Like, what do you mean? We, we went undefeated. We won the championship. I said, well, you did. That's true. I said, but think about it this way. Your kids never lost a game. I said, I think part of the Little League experience is, is losing too. Absolutely. Because, because if you can if you can have a child go through the experience of, of losing something as unimportant as a, as a Little League game, it kind of helps them get prepared to deal with the emotions and the, 
you know, what comes with losing a game as opposed to the elation of, of winning a game. Because I tell them somewhere in their lives later on, they're going to lose something far more serious than a, than a little league game. And, 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 you know, if we can help prepare them for, you know, adapting and being able to understand that, uh, you know, losing a little league game isn't all bad. There's a lot of lessons that can be learned from it. So that's why I tell people, I said, I, I think the best little league season is, you know, maybe maybe you win 18 games and you lose four. That that's the that that's that's the better season than going undefeated. Well said. Yeah. No, I like the, these are good messages for our parents and kids that are listening, especially the one that you, you hit earlier with the with the difference between little league baseball and, and travel baseball. The the one the program I wanted you to touch on because this also is a way that Little League Baseball is being progressive with helping the kids learn and almost become self-teachers. Talk about your Sandlot program. We talked off the air a lot about it, but I think it's something that's missing in today's game that we all experienced when we were younger. Explain yeah. that to our audience and, and talk about its importance to kids. Well, I'm, I'm, show, I'm showing my age here because, you know, when I, when I, when I was playing Little League and, and I grew up, you know, we, we rode our bikes to the ballpark or a vacant lot or wherever, wherever we could find a place to play. And if we had eight kids or 10 kids or whatever it was, we just chose upsides and made our own rules and, and played the game. We had so much fun doing it. And, you know, probably the, the repetition of feeling all those ground balls and swinging the bat was probably what helped make us better, better players too. Uh, but, you know, I, I've, I convinced some of our younger operations people here that the kids like that kind of thing. So anyhow, long story short, we, we ultimately develop a program called Little League Sandlot Fun Days. And uh, we put it together and we introduced it to our program basically in 2021 when we could kind of get back after the, the pandemic. And it's a very simple premise. It, it's, you know, take a day on a Sunday or a Saturday afternoon or whatever it is. All the kids in the league can come out and play. The kids pick the teams. They make their own rules. We do have adult supervision there to, you know, obviously to make sure that if they're, you know, so hopefully nobody gets hurt, but if, if an accident or an injury were to happen, you, you have somebody there, but, and then you just let the kids play and, and they, they, they make up their own rules. You know, if you don't have enough to have three outfielders, then, you know, if you hit it to the opposite field, you're out. I mean, that kind of stuff. And the kids absolutely love it. And what we heard from some of the parents who were a little, you know, you can imagine young parents today who probably never did anything like this are like, what is this, right? You know, what, what, what's this all about? And what we heard from some of them was they said it actually helped the atmosphere and environment at their local league because the kids from all different teams were just out there playing together and having fun so that when they came to the ballpark, you know, Tuesday night for the regularly scheduled game, they said, they looked over, they said, hey, there are those three kids were playing with Billy and Sally, you know, on Sunday afternoon in the Sandlot program. So they kind of rooted for them too. And, and, and they said it just helped everybody understand that this is what this program should be. It's really about the kids having fun and just playing. I think you'll see if you watch the Little League World Series this year, we launched a new uh, public service announcement campaign with ESPN to address some of the things that, that we think the Sandlot program can help deal with. You'll, you'll see a couple of them with kind of con- putting them side by side, uh, a coach that we think is doing it the right way and a coach who's not doing it the right way and, and let people see the difference. And, uh, you know, we have a thing where some of the kids can be critical of their parents as opposed to having to listen to their parents criticize them from the bleachers, that that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, we're trying to do some things with, with coaches training. We actually 
have created a, it's called a Diamond Leader Program. We, we've been working through the Project Plague uh, organization at the Aspen Institute to, uh, to try to train, do a better job of, of training Little League coaches about what the full experience of, of Little League should be. So, um, you know, the Sandlot program is, is, is a part of that. But I know, Dave, we, we talked about it a little bit before. I know you're involved with some, some program very similar to it. Um, but it's really just a chance for, for kids to kind of go back to that era where, you know, you didn't have uniforms on. You could get your shorts and a T-shirt and a glove and you just go out and play and, and have fun. And we think that can, uh, we can, can contribute to more kids wanting to play. Even kids who aren't signed up for the local Little League program are permitted to come out and play in it. And, you know, maybe some of those kids will want to play Little League after they get a little chance to do that. So I think it's a great program. And as I said, it's only we've only had it for about a year and a half. And uh, uh, we had about we had about three or four hundred leagues that latched onto it right away. And my hope is that, you know, of the thousands of leagues that we have, that a lot of them will uh, will pick this program up. Yeah, and we'll, we'll have to officially join as well. We, we have a slogan with our kids when they come. So you don't let the pressure outweigh the pleasure. This is supposed yeah. to be fun, and you you hit on that. Now, a reminder to our audience, you're never too old to play Sandlot, and I want you to touch on a story. You had a nice Sandlot game in Lomity Stadium with a famous <laughs> actor. Can you can you share that with, that with our audience? It was a famous actor. Not yeah. all of us play with yeah. him. What, I'll, I'll never forget it. It's one of my great memories. That, um, we uh, enshrined Kevin Costner, the actor Kevin Costner, into our Little League Hall of Excellence, and Kevin and his family came here for a couple of days to uh, to Williamsport, and his his son at the time, Joe, was the same age as my oldest son. I think they were both eleven or twelve years old at the time. And Kevin said to me, he said, "You know, hey, Joe's here. He doesn't want to have to hang around with a bunch of adults the whole time." He, I said, "Let me let me get him connected with my son, and he he knows he knows his way around here. They they can hang out and have some." He said, "Oh, that would be great." So anyhow, we did that. And, uh, and then we went through the weekend and my son and, and Kevin's son were, you know, kind of palling around together for a couple of days. And the World Series was over. The championship game had been played. Everybody's packing up and getting ready to, to leave Williamsport. And I, I got a phone call at a restaurant that I was at with my family. And it was one of my operations folks. And they said, hey, Kevin wants Kevin Costner wants to know if it's OK if he goes over and throws some batting practice to Joe on Lomity Stadium. I said, of course, that's OK. Let's, I said, can you get him the equipment and everything? They said, oh, yeah, we'll take care of it. But he also said, tell tell Steve and Josh if they want to come over. Uh, Joe, Joe said Josh would lo- probably like to play, too. So I said to Josh, I said, you want to? He said, absolutely. So we didn't finish our dinner. We just we just walked out of the restaurant and back over. Well, fortunately, somehow or another, some kids were out. I don't know, riding their bikes or doing something. And this was about eight o'clock at night and about seven or eight kids showed up at the stadium. And so Kevin says, Hey, you guys want to play? And they said, yeah. And so he said, all right, let's, let's pick up team, you know, a Sandlot game. Right. And so he, Kevin says, you pitch to my kids, I'll pitch to your kids. Right. So we did that. And when we were done, Kevin says, he says, I want to hit one. I said, all right. So I threw him a couple. He said, how about you? I said, all right. So he, Kevin Costner threw me some pitches and I actually hit one up on the hill off of him. And uh, so, so my, one of my greatest little league memories is I can say, I, I, I took Kevin Costner deep on a, on a, on a, on a little league field. And uh, no, it was just such a fun night. And, and it was so, you know, it was just reminiscent of, 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 uh, you know, a couple of dads and, and about 10 kids, you know, just having fun on a little league field and, you know, nobody around yet. The stadium was empty. We just left the lights on and it was just us. And uh, 
it'd be one of my one of my great memories of uh, of my my experience here. Well, that's Steve, a great story. Uh, that's a great story, and I and it's, again, that's the beauty of baseball. And and with our, uh, you know, we always try to, you know, we never know where the show's going to go, but we just want to make a great conversation. And and you 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 hit a grand slam today with all the great stories and everything. And again, everyone can understand that uh, Little League is in great hands with Steve Keener as its uh, CEO, and 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 he has the kids' best best issues at heart. I mean. Just two little points that I wanted to say. Getting the kids a chance to play in all the games, that's important. You know, having that mandatory rule. And also what you've done to, to, to open it up to as many people in the girls' softball. That's a, that's a, you've le- certainly left a legacy and we appreciate it. And uh, I'll, I'll let uh, Dave finish, but I just wanted to say thank you and keep up the great work. And I know you got a great, great week ahead of you and uh, we'll be watching. All right, Kevin. Well, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And, uh, and again, my appreciation for the uh, many times over the years that uh, you've, you've helped us communicate messages about the Little League program as well. So uh, you're, you're not AMBS for nothing. And, and uh, you've always uh, considered you a, a good friend and, and, uh, and have always appreciated you uh, lending us your microphone every once in a while. Thank you. Steve, where can our audience pick up the Little League World Series this week? Well, all the games are on ESPN or ESPN2 or and some are on ABC Sports. Uh, I think some of the weekend games are on ABC Sports. But, uh, uh, you know, that's 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 where you can watch them. I know there are some radio broadcasts, but they're pretty much more local things. Um, so, you know, just, just tune in to ESPN. Yeah, I, I, I think we, we pretty much dominate that network for the next 10 or 11 days. So, uh, there, you know, if you want to watch a game, there'll probably be one on when you, when you turn the, when you turn the television on, but, uh, you know, let, can I, can I just say one thing too? Cause I know you have a lot of people that listen to it. Yeah. None of this would be possible without the incredible effort of, uh, you know, I mean, first of all, millions of volunteers around the world make the little league program possible, but the little league world series, I mean, it, it, it's a volunteer effort, uh, you know, from the people that operate the concession stands, that park the cars, that maintain the, where the kids live and eat and sleep and, and all those things. And then, of course, the umpires are, are volunteers. You know, that's one thing I, I, I would say, you know, our, our umpires, you know, we get a lot of criticism sometimes about, about our umpires. But, you know, in order to be eligible to umpire in the Little League World Series, the only the only criteria is that you are an actual little league volunteer umpire, so that you umpire at your local little league program, you know. And there's people say, well, you know, we should we should pay them that, that you'll get better umpires. Well, a lot of a lot of these umpires are umpires who get paid for their for their work in doing high school games or college games or other things, but they volunteer their services to to little league baseball, you know. But we pay all their travel expenses. We, we provide all their housing and hotel accommodations. We give them stipends for their meals and incidental expenses, all those. It doesn't cost them anything to, to be with us other than to volunteer their services out on the field. And, you know, I say to all the critics out there that, uh, you know, Kevin, you've seen this and Dave, you've seen it. It's a lot harder to umpire than people think. And, yes, and uh, you know, these people are doing it because they they believe in the mission of the program and they they want to provide their services to the program. So I'm going to defend them till the end of time. Uh, you know, I know they miss some calls and I know sometimes bad calls get made, but these are good people. They believe in the spirit of the Little League program, the same way the coaches do that are volunteering their time. 
and uh, we, we couldn't do it without them. So I, I'm sorry for taking so long with that, but I, I just think they, they kind of need a tip of the cap from time to time. No, that's a great point. And we have to remember, these are human beings. And that's what Little League is all about, too. These are humans. We're not robots. Nobody's robots. So have some fun. Have a smile. And if a bad call is made, move on. Because like an umpire told me many years ago, you know, they may make a bad call. But, you know, people strike out. People ball goes through your legs at shortstop or whatever. Errors happen all over the field. So live with it and move on. And these guys, I, I know how much they care. And we've actually ha- have had umpires on our show. And uh, one one tip for umpires, I think, is great. If 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 a if a uh, if a dugout is getting on you or a manager, depending if it's the first base or third base side, at the end of the inning, just walk over and just tell the manager with a little smile, little coach, hey, you know, I'm deaf in my left ear. I couldn't hear a word you were saying. What was that? You know, so, uh, <laughs> you know, so let's have fun. And uh, like I said, there's nothing better than uh, Williamsport. And uh, hopefully you get great weather as well. Well, I, we hope so, too. So uh, I'm sorry, Dave, I kind of took took over your last question there. But uh, I, I hope I, I answered it. Or if, if you had one more you wanted to ask me, I'm happy to do it. You answered exactly what I was going to ask. I was going to ask you if you, had, if you had a parting shot that you wanted to send a message out to our audience. And you did the perfect one. Um we, no, we appreciate you on this show, episode 22, Real Voices of the Game. Our audience can can capture this on Amazon, Stitcher, Spotify, or Apple. Please tune into the Little League Baseball World Series over the next couple of weeks. It's the 75th year anniversary. I never miss it. I know Kevin doesn't either. And uh, Steve Keener, th- thanks so much for being on the show today, our president of Little League Baseball. We, we, we love what you had to say, and we're fans here. Well, Dave and Kevin, it's been my, uh, my pleasure. I thank you for giving me the opportunity to you know, reminisce a little bit and, and talk a little bit about the current day as well. And uh, I really am enjoying your podcast. I wish you all the best with it uh, in the future as well. Thank you.